Well, this is our last week, our last message on the Anchored series. And we began by saying, I would prod you and poke you and help you understand every which way I can that God is a good God. Sometimes in life, and we've talked about this, we talked about how life is hard. Remember that? Life is hard. But we don't want to drop anchor on the life is hard. We are dropping anchor in how good God is. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, which is our core verse, says this, that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And in that hope, I want to define as the goodness of God, as the expectation of the goodness of God in our lives. And, and I'm saying that at the outset because this is our last week, but this, as the sermon finishes, we want to hold on to this anchor point in our lives. And that holding on means that I have to address this concept today before we finish. I want to talk about and the time that I have, what you do when you feel like you've dropped anchor and God seems so far away. I want to talk to people who feel hopelessness. Hopelessness is an epidemic in our society. Of course, it's not just a 21st century problem. In Job's time, there's a whole book written in the Old Testament about a man who endured tremendous suffering. And there was a time when he began to drift and question how good God was, and, and he gathered together friends around him to try to help him understand and make sense of the life. It was like Job's life group. And these three guys came around. I'm going to talk about one of them, Beldad, and what he said to Job, and it's contained in Job verse, chapter 8, verse 12, chapter 8, verse 12 and 13, where it says this, those without hope will wither more quickly than cut grass. Such is the destiny of all who forget God. For those who forget God have no hope. Let that sink in. If we forget God, we'll have no hope. And that word hope there literally refers to a Hebrew word which means line or cord. That's what it means in the Old Testament. This, and I've got a little a line here that's tied to the anchor that I borrowed from Captain Jock from an earlier message in this series. And, and, and this word hope, that he's talking about literally this, this line. I'm going to talk about this line and this anchor in the time that we have together. Because if you understand this concept about, about holding on to your anchor... You, you need to not just realize, because once you drop anchor, your anchor disappears in Christ. We can't see the anchor anymore, but, but we're going to see that every, all around this place, we're going to see the line that we can hold on to. You see, see, what happens if you forget and let go of your line and your cord? What happens when a culture forgets God? What, what happens when a nation forgets God? Rick Warren wrote this, and I wanted to read it because I feel like it sums up what I'm trying to say this morning. He said this, that when a culture forgets God, wealth is idealized 
truth is minimized, life is trivialized, abortion is legalized, television is vulgarized, advertising is sensualized and commercialized. It, it goes, everything is sexualized, our consciences are desensitized, education is secularized, free markets are monopolized, racism is polarized, Polit politics and sports are scandalized, morals and ethics are liberalized, entertainment and crime are sensationalized, immorality is popularized, drugs are legitimized, breakup of family is rationalized, let's see, the sin is glamorized, courts are paralyzed, manners are uncivilized, Christians are demonized, and God is marginalized. So we see that effect. We see that we live in a, a society that is literally shipwrecked. Well, that's not a new phenomenon because hopelessness has been the leading cause of suicide for generations. S scientists and scholars who studied the suicide notes of the ancient Romans and Greeks, they found one thing in common going back to first century AD, that, that those who feel hopeless find themselves trapped in an impossible situation. It's like when you're in a dark room and you can't see your way out. Living a life without hope when you can't see a way out to finish the pain, to, to end the, the fact that the struggle is so real and suicide becomes an option. And that's why I love that song that we sang earlier in the worship, New Wine. In the crushing and in the pressing, we know that Jesus is our source. No matter how difficult life gets, there is an alternative to hopelessness. And he has a name, and his name is Jesus. To anyone here or anyone who's watching, if you feel hopeless, we have the answer. And I'm like, i got to get into this because hopelessness is an epidemic in society. Maybe you don't feel suicidal, but, but maybe you just feel drained. Maybe you just feel so weary because of the struggles of life, because of the impossible situations that happen. Some impossible situations might look like the loss of a job, the premature death of a loved one. It might look like rejection in your relationships with your family or peer group. It might look like shamefulness and guilt for messing up in the past or for hurting others. It might look like failure. You let your family down and you let your team down or you embarrassed yourself. It might look like fatigue or weariness because you're battling the same problem year after year or illness when the doctor said there's nothing that, that they can do for you. Well, to sum it all up, a state of hopelessness can happen when we allow something or someone to disconnect us from the goodness of God. So I'm here today not to talk about hopelessness, but to shift us now and to look at, let's look at the opposite of that. Because if we do not disconnect and we do not forget, we will stay anchored to hope. Which, let, which brings me to my first point. So, so let's focus on this first point that I wanted to land. And this is a prayer. And this is, a, this is more than just a point. This is, this is something that I, I want to... I want to say to you so that you never, never forget this. Can we decide to never forget how good God is? 
Can, can that be something that becomes an anchor point that we'll remember as we finish the series and we move forward? Can we never forget in a time of loss that we remind ourselves that we are found? At a time of rejection, can we remember that Jesus chose us? In a time of shame, can we remember that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? When we're fatigued and tired and weary, can we remember that he is the lifter of our heads? He, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. In a time of illness, can we turn to Jesus and remember he's our healer? In a time of failure, can we remember that even Jesus' life looked like defeat on Good Friday? On Saturday, it looked like Jesus himself, the Son of God, had failed. But there was a resurrection Sunday coming. Maybe you're in that waiting period for your resurrection moment in an area of your life. I want to say to you, remember how good God is. And never forget in the Saturday or when things go quiet, never forget how good he is. See, in my anchor here, what, what, what an anchor does is we talked a lot about how an anchor stabilizes us. But what an anchor also does is help us with a situation that you face when you're boating called pitch and roll. See, it's not just Captain Jock that has some experience with boats. It's me too. P pitch and roll is the phrase that people use because, you know, my mother, my mother was actually part of the U.S. Coast Guard. Maybe you didn't know that. But she actually went to a chorus and became this U.S. Coast Guard and I actually had no real revelation or proof that she learned anything in the course because as soon as she got to choppy waters, she would constantly freak out and begin to scream. But at any rate, that's another story. So even though she had the certificate, she certainly didn't have the revelation. And she talked to me about pitch and roll. When you drop an anchor, what it does is it helps the boat stabilize. And without an anchor, you know, when the waves hit, you go up one minute, and down the next. If you would stand in the bow of a boat, which I tried to get a ship, I tried to get an ocean-going ship in here for Sunday, but all I could find was a canal boat. And I'm like, no, I don't want the canal boat. I want like an ocean-going vessel, right? I wanted a, at least a 25 deep hole boat, but couldn't find one. So you're just gonna have to imagine if you stood on the bow of a deep vessel that was in ocean-going water, what you feel is literally you see the sky one minute. You're up one minute knowing a wave's coming and you, all you can see the next moment is the sea. And then this, this pitch and roll is like, you're up and then you're down. And you're up and then you're down. And then a roll happens when it rolls sideways at the boat and it begins to roll sideways. You're going up and down and up and down and roll sideways and roll sideways. You feel so disoriented. Yeah. And if you've ever been inside of a deep hole boat and you're trying to walk, you're like walking into people. And people are trying to pass you because it's quite narrow and, and you've got this whole disorientation happening. Well, what an anchor does is it stops you from being so high and so low and it stabilizes you. Living the Christian experience needs to be steady. It needs to be stable. It needs to be foundational. It needs to be strong. Not all high on a Sunday and then all low on a Tuesday morning. No, a stability and a strength and a security that keeps you strong in every single storm. That comes from never forgetting how good God is. You know, there are rogue waves that an enemy will send to wipe you out. Because the, the enemy knows he hates this kind of Bible teaching. This kind of Bible teaching that keeps you solid and secure and anchored. 
it ministers to you in a way that's so deep. It's like he hates this kind of teaching. He's like, he's like, you know, let's let's get everybody shouting and let's let's get all this this uh, you know rounds of applause in the house, knowing full well that when trouble comes, emotion will not keep you in a place of security. Knowing full well that you can't stay in a place of security because someone brought you to church today and you're trying to experience God through them. You know, or you've got a mother and dad, a father who believed in Jesus years ago and, and because they believed you're here now. No, no, no. The only thing that stabilizes you is when you never forget how good is to you. And that's the revelation you need because there's going to be times when you question that. That's how the devil operates. He put a huge question mark right in the book of Genesis in the beginning with Adam and Eve. And he said, did God really say? What was the enemy doing? He's trying to question, is God really good? Well, I am here today to let you know after 30 years of following Jesus, Jesus is good. He is so good. Okay, let's move on. My second point is this. The anchor you drop will become someone else's lifeline. All around here, we've dropped anchors. We've dropped anchors. Some of you have dropped anchors in the past. And, and in this room right now are so many people who have lifelines that are available to others. Yeah. Lifelines. I don't just mean people finding Jesus, although that's a big part of it. We want to see more people find Jesus. But I mean people who have overcome stuff in their marriage and you beat stuff. There's a lifeline next to you, literally next to you. And you're, all you have to do is reach out and grab that lifeline. Grab hold of that lifeline. There's people here who have had eating disorders, but they're healed now in their security and in their self-image. Reach out and grab somebody's lifeline. There's all this around you, how to raise teenagers, how to raise young people, how to beat A-levels and do well. I mean, grab a lifeline. Let me show you what this looks like. I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. 2 Kings 6, verse 15. What happened was an enemy surrounded Elisha. And early in the morning, this servant that lived in the household of Elisha woke up and he got up. Very early, and as he saw, there was an army with horses and chariots, and they had surrounded the entire city. And he turns in fear, and he says, oh, my Lord, in fear, like, what shall we do? In other words, we're about to be killed. We're going to be annihilated. And I love Elijah's response. Listen, this is the lifeline anchor response. Don't be afraid. Somebody here needs to hear that right now. Don't be afraid. And then Elijah goes on to say, those who are with us are more than those who are against us. That's the lifeline. That's the lifeline in a time of fear. You don't know who to hold on to. You don't know who to turn to. But the lifeline that Elijah gave, he woke up. He had dropped anchor in the goodness of God. And he simply says this. He said, those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And what, what happened was, then he prayed a beautiful prayer. He said, open the eyes of my servant. What a great prayer. So that he could see what I see. And he prayed. This is what I love. This is what the Bible records. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I mean, think about this. This is Elijah standing. It says, 
it says that the, they were all around Elisha. They weren't just randomly placed across the countryside from the point where Elisha stood. From the anchor point that he had held on to, they were so surrounding Elisha, facing the enemy, that it filled the entire hillside and countryside and the entire region. One person who dropped anchor delivered a nation. Oh, you need to know that surrounding you right now is the presence of God in you and the presence of God around you and the presence of God working through you. You need to know that God is with you in your struggle of everything that you face. He is surrounding you. He is with you. That's why the Bible says this in Psalm 3, verse 6. It goes on to say this, that I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me. That's why, that's why this, this great Psalm 27, 6 says, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. You see, that understanding is based in the New Testament in 1 John 4, verse 4, where it says, and we just read it, Elijah said it. This is a great scripture if you're taking notes. To write it down and memorize it and meditate on it this week. That the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. Let's say that together. The one that is in me, the one that is in me, is greater. Say that again. Is greater. Come on, shout it out like you mean it. It's greater. Come on, one more time. He is greater than he who is in the world. Come on, one more time. He is greater. What are we doing? We are worshiping right now. What are we doing? We're shifting our attention and focus away from our struggle, and we're beginning to worship. What did David do when he saw Goliath? He didn't just see an obstacle. He was in a place of worship, and he said, who dares to defile the armies of the living God? Come on, he had a revelation for who was surrounding him. Where's the boldness of the men of this house, of the women of this house that are ready to say, I know I've got some struggles, but I am anchored in the goodness of God, and I refuse to let go of the lifeline that God has given me. Here's the last point I wanted to bring. When you drop anchor, you bring hope to your house. What did Elisha do? Because of the anchor that he dropped, he brought hope to the lowest in his household. The lowest in his household, the least in his household, because of the anchor that he dropped, his servant understood how great God was. When you drop anchor, I want to let you know you bring hope to your wife. I've dropped an anchor into my house. In times of struggle, my anchor is dropped. I want to bring hope to my two children and to my beautiful wife. I have decided that there are times in my life that are too hard for me, and so my anchor is dropped, my lifeline is ready, and I'm going to stand strong for my family. Are you ready to make that decision? Because I tell you, when you make that call, everything starts to help. Now, now, now this is what happens. When a father drops anchor into Jesus, your teenager's eyes are opened. When husbands drop anchor into the commitment of your marriage com- covenant, your wives' eyes are open on how good God is. When wives, when you drop anchor into Jesus, you understand that, that he loves you unconditionally, right? So as so I've learned this as I go back to Job. What happened in Job's story in Job chapter 8 is Job needed a lifeline. He needed a lifeline. He needed his friends around him to help him stabilize and to be an anchor point when he was going through a time of grief. 
And instead of being able to anchor to his friends, his friends begin to criticize him and ridicule him and find fault in him and tell him he could never make it and tell him he, he let God down and all this bad advice. Hey, we want to let you know, when people are going through a tough time, they don't need bad advice. What they need is a lifeline to hang on to. And this is how the enemy works. When you take your lifeline and it's anchored, you're a stabling point to so many other people. You're a stabling point that can help literally save everyone that grabs onto this rope. And so guess what an enemy wants to do? The enemy wants to take your lifeline. And what does he do? He wants to, he wants to cut it. That's what he wants to do. A lifeline without an anchor is absolutely useless. It won't get you anywhere. You can pull on it and you'll drift and you'll eventually end up shipwrecked. All around us, I see so many Christians that should be anchored and holding on. And in a time of difficulty, here's the image that I think God has given me. In a time of difficulty, he needs some big old fat Christians who understand the word of God. Spiritually fat Christians who can sit on the back of that rope and anchor it for you. Have you ever done those tug-of-war contests? I have. I remember being a part of those tug-of-war contests, and it would be kind of our side versus another side, and I always looked for the biggest, strongest, heaviest person. And what do they do? They take that person, and they tie the rope around him, and they say, you're the anchor. And I remember I had this friend of mine, and he weighed about 20 stone. He was the best flipping anchor. Everybody wanted him on the team. Because he was so strong. I don't mean he was just out of shape. He was just strong. And he was a big Samoan. And he would sit on the back of that rope. And he'd be anchored. And it didn't matter how hard the other team pulled. He just laughed. He just sat there and laughed as they pulled and pulled and pulled. And it was literally like he could have anchored the tug-of-war contest all on its own. And then finally we'd say, pull. And we'd turn around and grab the rope and pull. And we were undefeated. Until the Samoan left our team and joined the other team. And then we got pulled off. I want you to know your anchor point is tied to the living God. He is bigger than you'll ever imagine. He is greater than you'll ever imagine when you anchor this. But you also need some strong, spiritually fat Christians to anchor yourself in God and hold on to in God. And, and I've learned that I will not let an enemy come and cut the rope for people that I care about. I won't, I won't be your pastor and allow people to, to drop line and drop lifelines. I'm gonna be the one that says, no, you may have dropped, so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna learn some new skills, and we're gonna learn how to tie a new rope. I need a, I need a, I need a sailor to come and help me. I said, Captain Jock, help me come and tie bowlines and, and double bowlines and tie them together, not a slipknot like this, tie these knots together and reconnect them. And, and, and every time you, you go through a lifeline, you start, you start reconnecting. And I've learned this. Do you know a rope becomes stronger at the point that it was broken when it's reconnected with the right knots? Did you know that? Then you know that you can actually increase the strength of a rope by tying the right knots the right way? Not like I just tied, but, but learning the skills to retie and to reconnect. And, and here's what I want to say. I think there are people all over this house right now, people watching right now. You need to reconnect. Yeah. We've got an issue in society today with people who did attend church 
and stopped attending church and don't go to any church anywhere anymore because they feel like God let them down. Well, here's what I want to say. Prodigals come home because we need to reattach to the anchor who Jesus is. So I'm saying let's hold on to these lifelines. Let's let's take this step forward and, and understand that everywhere we go, everywhere we live, we want our lifelines to help people reconnect and re-anchor. And if we can do that, church, as this series finishes and we move forward in our life, we'll turn a life around from being discouraged and from being down to understand how good God is in our lives.